On this episode, we are joined by Mike Fantasia, president of the Location Managers Guild International. Mike discussed how he started his professional career as a park ranger before a chance meeting with Steven Spielberg in Montana set him on a path to Hollywood. Once in LA, Mike became heavily involved with the Teamsters Local 399 and he got to work on blockbusters such as Jerry Maguire and Dante's Peak. We also got Mike's insights into how his organization, the LMGI, recently started a partnership with the New York Production Alliance. We also wanted to hear from Mike on how he thinks the industry will come back following the COVID crisis. Here's Mike. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. You know, you've worked on some pretty big name productions such as Jerry Maguire, Catch Me If You Can, uh, among so many more. Tell us a bit about your career and, and you know, how you got your start. Uh, Brian, thanks for, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting and it's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy doing these, these podcasts. Um, I actually had a, a, a career uh, in the real world before I joined the, got in the film business. I, uh, I worked for the U.S. Forest Service in Montana. Uh, and a guy named Spielberg showed up one summer to make a movie. And uh, in my job, I was uh, one of the people that prepared the permit and oversaw the permit for the, for the Forest Service. And um, as they moved towards production, the location manager came to me and said, hey, we need, we need some extras, some people who are used to fire, who you know, can, can be background extras running through the fire. Uh, working under helicopters and airplanes, and so I took a leave of absence. Took a couple, I took about a month off from work, and I enlisted twenty of my friends to do the same thing. And we basically were extras in the movie. And uh, the other job that we had, because they built these huge fire sets up in the up in the forest, every day at the end of filming, we would stick around for an hour and and do a fire patrol, make sure all the fire was out. So we did that for almost a month. And then they flew us down to central Idaho to do some second unit work. Um, anyway, that was my, that was my initiation film business. And I'll never forget the first, the first night I was near a, a movie set. I was uh, driving towards the airport uh, outside of Libby, Montana, where they were building a fire uh, uh, tanker base camp. And as I was coming around a corner, I saw this glow in the distance, this light. Like, what the heck is that? And as I got closer, I realized it was these huge, 20k carbon arc lights that they were using to to light the set and the set included two silver uh converted b25 uh bombers that were air tankers and just the the light bouncing off the aluminum uh of the planes was just beautiful and as i pulled into the set there were 150 200 people scurrying around and i I looked and I said, my God, how chaotic this is. But then I quickly realized that it wasn't really chaotic. Everybody knew exactly what they were beautiful doing. beautiful chaos. Beautiful chaos. Well-organized chaos. Yeah. And, um, and chaos really, it, it, that was the word that jumped to mind. But it wasn't chaos at all. It was, it was, it was frenetic but calm in, in a weird kind of way. And I said, I mean, I, I tell people that's when I got my first shot of movie heroin. I was like, okay, this is freaking incredible. This is pretty <laughs> cool. And through a whole series of events, I um, ended up quitting the Forest Service uh, about two years later, uh, January 11th, 1991, to be exact, was my last day with the Forest Service. And I embarked on a movie career 
living in Libby, Montana, a town of 6,000 people in the most remote county in Montana. And I thought, my God, what have I done? I've given up a paycheck and vacation and a pension. My mother cried for two weeks when her, when her number one son quit his good job. Oh, yeah. She thought I was crazy. Most people thought I was crazy. Um, but I was very lucky. I, I worked for a couple of location managers uh, throughout the Northwest on a number of films, uh, singles, uh, A River Runs Through It, River Wild, um, This Boy's Life with Robert De Niro and this guy named Leonardo DiCaprio, one of his first, I think it was his first or second movie. And uh, Free Willy, Free Willy oh, 2. Uh, and I worked, then I worked on this little um, $3 million Western in Red Lodge, Montana. And, uh, and that's where I met uh, my wife, Judy. She was a casting director on the film. And uh, after a couple of years, we decided to get married. And I wasn't going back to New York. She wasn't coming back. She lived in New York at the time. Uh, she wasn't moving to Montana. So we decided to move to Los Angeles. So we moved to L.A., um, in the fall of um, 1994. And it, I was pretty much engrossed in the OJ trial while Judy went out and piddled around trying to you know, find work. Um, and I finally got a crack at uh, my, the first film I worked on here with Janice Polly and Laurie Balton was uh, this little movie called Heat that Michael Mann directed. Oh, yeah. I worked on that for a couple of months. And, uh, and then from there, it, I, I just uh, continued to work. So, you know, you fast forward, and, and like you said, you, you've had a, you know, quote-unquote, pretty good career, uh, worked with uh, some iconic actors. Now you've come to a point where I guess you've started to look into how you can better serve the industry community. Um, and so you're serving now as the president of the Location Managers Guild International. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the organization and what the mission is. Uh, the Location Managers Guild was, was formed about 17 years ago. And it sort of sprang from a lot of work that uh, many of us were doing with Teamsters Local 399, which we were members of. We worked with our, our leadership at 399 to make some changes that sort of bettered our, our position in the industry. Um, but it still wasn't enough for us. And we knew that the union could only do so much for us. So, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 of us um, got together and we decided to form a guild. We didn't really, uh, our, our mission was just to promote location managing. A lot of people just looked at us as the people that parked the trucks and placed the portable toilets and the dumpsters we realize, we know that our job is actually um, much more creative than, than that. And so we formed the guild in an attempt to promote ourselves. Our, our motto is promoting excellence on location worldwide. There's a lot of really great location managers out there um, who have learned from really good location managers, people who have passed on their knowledge. Uh, one of the things that we saw is that there wasn't enough of that. So we wanted to, to A, promote ourselves within the industry, to everybody in the industry, uh, to discuss and promote the accomplishments that, 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 um, uh, that sort of accrue. Uh, we're part of the creative team. We're, we're one of the first people hired. We work with the designer, the director, the producer, the cinematographer, the visual effects specialist. 
to really create and set the vision of the movie to help the director, the designer, you know, accomplish their vision. And, and so that's the aspect that we wanted to promote mostly. Um, everybody knows about the logistical end, parking the trucks and, and, and preparing the, the sets for filming, but the creative end is what really, um, uh, we, we really, really wanted to promote. So the Guild started in Los Angeles. We had mostly Los Angeles members and uh, we were LA centric for a long time. Uh, a lot of us who traveled, I've worked in, in Europe and Asia, uh, a little bit in Africa. A lot of us who'd been around a little bit wanted to, to broaden our, our, our reach. So we transformed from the LMGI, LMGA, Location Managers Guild of America, to the LMGI, Location Managers Guild International. And since we did that about seven, eight, nine years ago, we um, have gained members in, in, on virtually every continent. Uh, and I'm, I'm very proud to say that our, if you look at our, our, our list of, of members, you'll find folks that speak virtually every language, you know, on the face of the earth. Uh, we've got a, a great, great uh, group of managers who have very widespread, uh, wide-ranging experience, worked with the best directors in the world, worked on every iconic movie out there. And our mission and our goal over the last few years is to promote excellence on location worldwide. We have seminars and events for our members that, that uh, hopefully show them uh, the, the correct way to work. Show, uh, and we, we, we discuss uh, high standards of ethics and, and professionalism. We are launching this year an educational committee. And we, we found around the world in the last year, especially film commissions, location managers, government agencies want education um, in all areas of location managing. So we are launching uh, this summer uh, an educational committee that's gonna speak to all of these different um, areas of emphasis. We'll have groups that, that are creating educational events, seminars, webinars for location managers, for film commissioners, for government agencies, economic development agencies, as well as tourism agencies, which a lot of times fund film commissions. And we've had a lot of support. We've been impacted by COVID, but soon we hope to all be back to work again. So we, we know that we have to set a good foundation for our educational committee because when we go back to work, it needs to sort of sustain itself. You're obviously uh, an international organization. Like you said, you have uh, members on basically every continent and that language fact is fascinating. But when you bring it back stateside, uh, recently you partnered with the New York Production Alliance and vice versa. Uh, I, I know that the, the organizations joined each other's ranks. Why is that bi-coastal relationship? Uh, you know, you're, you're an LA-based organization, but in the States, why is it so important to have that bi-coastal relationship? One of the things that, that a lot of us realize, and I'm a native New Yorker, and I've worked in the city on LA-based movies a number of times, uh, a number of films. One of the things that a lot of us realize is we don't have a lot of a lot of membership in New York. And over the last four or five years, we've gained a number of members, a lot of commercial folks, TV folks, a couple of feature people. And one of those members, Les Fincher, who's very active in the New York production world, um, brought the NYPA uh, to our attention. And it just seemed like a logical fit. 
we have big membership in LA, big membership in Atlanta, uh, big membership overseas in London. Um, but we had more members in all of those places than we had in New York. So we, we have em been emphasizing in the last uh, six months or so, let's, let's get more New York members. And then as part of this, uh, you know, let's mention the NYPA to us and introduce us to them. And it just seemed like a logical fit. They are an organization that is promoting filming in New York. It's an organization, hundreds of members uh, across the board from actual folks working on the ground in production to production service companies and all kinds of other support companies. And it just seemed like a logical, logical fit for the Guild to partner with the NYPA. And we've just done that recently in the last couple of months. Uh, we were going to hold, Les uh, has been, and Jimmy and some of the other members have been to uh, a couple of events uh, that the NYPA has put on. And it seemed like they were as enthusiastic about the LMGI as we were about them. And so it just seemed like a logical fit. We had planned to have uh, a joint event in New York uh, a week ago with the NYPA. It was going to be like a mixer. It would introduce uh, the LMGI to hopefully all the NYPA members and also potential new LMGI members, both business partners and location managers. But unfortunately, with the current um, situation in the world, uh, we had to cancel that, well, I'll say postpone that event. We still want to have it in some form later this fall or winter. I did uh, attend a Zoom uh, board meeting of the NYPA last week, and I was very, very impressed with the folks who were on that call. Um, they, they really seemed to get it. Uh, they they seemed to be very logical. They seemed to be very well thought out. Um, and again, it just seemed like a logical partnership for us uh, with the NYPA. So we are looking forward to working with them in the future uh, to increase the knowledge of each other's organization within the other. Before I get into my final question, I'm just wondering, has uh, location management, how has that changed in, in the age of COVID? Have you been able to do anything virtually that maybe you wouldn't have thought about previously? You know, it's still so early. Um, we don't really know exactly how it's gonna affect what we're doing and how we do our jobs. Uh, there's so many draft protocols out there. There's the AMPTP protocol that was sort of leaked a couple of weeks ago. The AICP has a protocol. Uh, city of Atlanta, the uh, state of Georgia has a protocol. Uh, the state of California is coming out with a protocol in the coming weeks. State of Hawaii has one. Everybody's coming up with protocols. And from what I've seen, they're all virtually the same. They speak to the same things. They speak to distancing. They speak to sanitation. They speak to quarantining, separation, pods, all those things. So I, I don't think when the, I think everybody's going to jump on the AMPTP. When they come out with the protocol that they all agree on, and it's, it's the, basically the studios, the unions and the guilds. Once they agree on a protocol, I think most protocols will re be revised to reflect AMPTP. Some areas may have a little bit stronger protocols. So I think we all know what we're going to have to do. The very intriguing question is, how are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Absolutely. Every production is different. Every production has its own needs. Every production will have to be weighed 
against those protocols to see how they fit in and how they have to respond. As location managers, we will hopefully be in a support position where we're supporting whomever is the uh, COVID person on the production. We know we're going to need more space. We know we're going to need a different type of catering and craft service setups, equipment, storage, and cleansing, uh, base camps. Uh, we're going to need way more makeup trailers and hair trailers and wardrobe trailers to accommodate um, everything. So we're all just waiting to see what comes out of the AMPTP and the state of California's guidelines, and then we will react accordingly. Um, but as I worked on Top Gun Maverick last year, and as one Navy captain, one of our liaisons said, you know, oh, the Navy, we're, you know, we're pretty good at, at, at what we do, but I'm amazed at what a film crew can do. You throw a, f a problem at a, at, a, at, a, at a production, and they will find a way to solve that problem. And they'll find a way to do it efficiently and effectively and at the lowest cost possible. How will the industry bounce back from this? Are incentive programs uh, like the New York State Film Tax Credit important in that endeavor? Will it serve a purpose? Well, incentive, it's going to be interesting to see how incentives play out. Every state is financially in the hole. Um, I know California had a surplus of some $20 billion, now worth 40-something in the hole. New York's in the same situation. Every state's in the same position. You can look at incentives two ways. You can look at incentives in a positive way or a negative way. I prefer to look at them in a positive way. And I'm hoping that, that most entities retain their incentives to attract filmmakers because filmmakers provide fantastic upper middle class jobs for hundreds of thousands of people. They provide many times more jobs. So my fear is that um, some state legislators will, uh, will feel that incentives for filmmakers are not necessary at this time, will cut funding for, for incentives, and uh, it will therefore drive production away from the, the, the places that have those incentives, the, the New Yorks, the Georgias, the Californias, um, uh, Montana. Montana's got a great incentive. Um, New Mexico's got a good incentive. I mean, there's incentives all over the world that are in place. And we look at ourselves as, as engines of, 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 uh, uh, of jobs, uh, not just for the people who are working on the film and the support people, but for film tourism uh, afterwards. Uh, we can, we can, there's thousands of examples around the world of film tourism and, and the money that that brings into areas. So we can't forget that especially in places like, you know, where you're from in upstate New York that maybe wouldn't get that recognition. Look at, look at what's happened in Buffalo the last few years. Buffalo's had a number of mid-sized productions, brought in hundreds of jobs, uh, I'm sure dumped many tens of millions of dollars into the economy of Western New York, which is a couple hours from where I grew up. Um, I, I've, seen, I, I've seen the benefits of filming in small towns in Idaho on Dante's Peak when we took over a, a little town and dumped millions of dollars there. And I got a card six months after filming from somebody saying, your production made my Christmas. I had no job. I'd been out of my, uh, my mind. The mind that I worked at closed. I'd been out of work for a year. And Dante's Peak gave my kids a Christmas. I still got the card somewhere and buried in my, and all my stuff. But I mean, that shows you the impact that filming can have. And there's examples everywhere, almost every small town. You see it in small towns. I mean, I got into filmmaking in Libby, Montana, a town of seven or 8,000 people. Right. Never had a film. 
Steven Spielberg comes, and then three years later, they shoot the River Wild. They're all summer long. It dumped millions and millions of dollars into that economy. Our, our reach is extensive, and it's long-lasting. And I just hope that we can get through this COVID crisis and come out of it um, stronger and more efficient on the other side. I really appreciate the time. I will make sure to give the Location Managers Guild International its due uh, in terms of website and social media. Um, and, uh, and I'll let people know where they can find you. And I hope that uh, we see you in New York soon. I hope to see you at the NYPA LMGI event sometime this fall or early winter. We'll be there. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. Be healthy. Thank you, Brian. You too. Take care. Thank you.